uh, Christians typically, traditionally, on this weekend look at the cross, and then on next weekend, Easter Sunday, look at the resurrection. Uh, and so that's what I want to talk to you this morning about is Matthew chapter 27. Uh, if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, you can click to, turn to. If not, it's some of the verses that come up on the Sky Bible to my left and to my right. And so it's uh, to help you follow along. And so I want to talk to you about the cross. I want to talk to you. In fact, is I've entitled this message, The Church at the Cross, because really and truly the people that made up um, those that, that witness the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, those same groups of people usually are involved in church as well. And so I want to talk to you about that scene of the cross. I mean, it had to be an unforgettable scene for those that had witnessed that, for those who had witnessed the, the, the death of Jesus Christ. Um, it's probably something they could never get out of their minds. A lot of people were changed, you know, their life by, by what they witnessed. And, and then you realize people came from all different backgrounds. They came from different backgrounds. They came from different family origins, uh, different experiences, different occupations, uh, different religious experiences of the past. Uh, they had different perspectives. They came from different geographical locations. And then at the cross, you, you, had, you had two men. Uh, that were found guilty, that deserved death. And then you had one man in the center, uh, Jesus, who didn't deserve death. He was perfect. He was without sin. And yet he was crucified along with them. And so for many people, it's like the first encounter of Jesus. Church is like that. For many people, it's like the first glimpse they get of Jesus, the first glimpse they get of what it means to follow Christ. And so it was a group that was gathered by God. And so that event was ordained by God, just much, much like our church services are ordained by God. And so, as, as many of you know that have been at Fellowship, I normally, I'm normally have three points, right? Normally, I'm just three points. And so, this weekend, I have three points, but a bunch of sub-points, which means, just let me prepare you, which means 20 points this morning. So, we're going to be here till Easter Sunday, okay? We'll just celebrate <laughs> at resurrection together. <laughs> we'll give you breaks. Don't worry. So, if, you, so if you're a note-taker, uh, this is not for the faint of heart. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And so we're going to track through this very quickly, and, and, um, and, uh, and, and I'm going to use my normal time as we look at, at, at who was there, uh, why, why, did, why did they go there, why did they go across uh, to witness that, and then what did they receive, what did they get by being there that weekend. And I think the same can be asked and said of us as a church. And so the first question I asked was, is, is who was there? I mean, who was there at the first church service, if you will? Because in many ways, it's like the church service. Jesus was lifted up. The gospel was preached. People received uh, eternal life and, and, and freedom and, and many other things, much like our church services today. So there's seven different types or different groups of people that were there. The first was there that was there was there were some that came by force. In other words, there were some that they were like made to go. Um, Verse 32 out of Matthew 27, it says, As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled force. They compelled this man to carry his cross. In other words, Simon was just like, he's just watching this thing go down. And he happened to be on the, on the route of Jesus going to, to, going to the cross. Jesus could no longer carry his cross. And so as a result of that, one of the Roman centurions grabbed Simon out of the crowd and says, and they forced him to go to the cross. They forced him to, to carry the cross. And, and so in other words, there was a group of people that were forced to come. And you know what in our churches today? 
There's a group of people sometimes that are like forced to go to church. Maybe you're, maybe you're a child and your mom and dad don't give you a choice and you're like, you're like, you're like forced to come. Maybe, maybe it's for you, maybe it's your spouse. Maybe you'd say, you know what, I wouldn't do the whole church thing if it wasn't for my wife or if it wasn't, if it wasn't for my husband. They kind of forced me to do this church thing. They kind of forced me to, to go to church. Maybe for some of you it was, it was an employee, a, a friend that just... They've just been on your back, and they're like, they're like asking you and say, you know what, I, I'm just going to go so I can say I, I went. But, but here's the good news. Even though Simon was forced to come, even though people today may be forced to come to church, your life matters to God. Regardless of why you came, guess what? Your life matters to God. And Simon's life, even though he was forced, Simon's life was, was like changed. And, and a lot of times I, I get into discussions as a pastor with parents. And parents will say some things like, you know what, I, hey, I don't force my kids to go to church. Uh, I mean, it's a spiritual thing. They should decide on their own what they want. There's other things I force them to go to, and I don't force them to go to church and, because I don't want them to grow up, right? I don't want them to grow up and hate church and never go to church, so I don't force them to go. And I, some parents take that opinion, that, that, that view, and, and, but, but I can tell you this. For every one adult that you can find that doesn't attend church because his parents forced him or her to go to church, I can find 20 adults that are thankful their parents forced them to go to church, thankful that their parents gave them a religious heritage, thankful that their parents were willing to hand their faith off to, to their children. Listen, many of you know my story. Man, I wished I was forced to go to church. I wish growing up I had a mom or dad that took me to church. I discovered it on my own. It's an interesting thing. Even though Simon was forced to come to church, his life would change. And regardless of why you're here, guess what? Your life matters deeply to God. And even though you're forced, your life can be changed. There's another group of people, and they just, they just came to sit and watch. I mean, they just came to sit and watch. Verse 36, I... I know I find humor in things that other people don't find humor in, and <laughs> like a lot of stuff. But verse 36, watch this. And they sat down, this group of people, then they sat down and kept watch over him, Jesus, there. In other words, they, they didn't come to like, like people watch. They didn't come to watch the people and stuff. I mean, I'm a people watcher. I love to watch people, especially, you know, especially in the airport. Airport's a great place. Walmart's a great place, especially the later it gets. <laughs> I'll just move on, right? I can tell you some stories. <laughs> no, like if there's nothing on TV at 10 o'clock at night, go to Walmart. <laughs> and so, so they didn't come to people watch. You know what they came? They came to, it's funny, they came to watch over Jesus. Where was he going to go? He's like nailed to the cross. What were they expecting him to do? They just, they, they, they just came. To sit and watch. They were never, they were just going to be spectators. They were, never, they, they, they were never going to be participants. In other words, there's a group of people today that says, you know what, church for me, I just kind of sit and watch. I never, I never want to step closer in. I, I never want to get into community. I, I, I never want to do some of those things. And let me tell you, if, if, if that is you and, and that's your, guess what? Your life matters to God. And your life matters to this church deeply. That's why we have next steps. And that's why we talk about spiritual formation to help you through these next steps. Because I'm telling you, there's something powerful when you understand that your life has meaning and your life has purpose. Mark Twain is the guy that said this, that the two greatest days of your life are when you were born and when you find out why. That gives meaning and purpose to, to life. And so there's a group of people there. They were just there to sit and watch. And yet... 
Their life mattered to God, and yet some of them, their life was changed. Here's another group of people. There's a group of convicted sinners, the robbers, right? Uh, verse 38, the two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. So there's these two robbers, and, and so are criminals. They had been convicted of a crime. It was public. Everybody knew in the community that, 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 that it happened. And so at this point, they're insulting Jesus. But we know later that, and we'll find out later in the story, we know later that one of the robbers had, had this, this life change, and he repented. But, but, but they, their, their, sin, their sin was public, right? There's a, and they needed to be released from that. There are a lot of people here today, are not, there are a lot of people that, that sometimes, well, let me say it this way. There's a lot of people that sometimes that's a barrier to them going to church. In other words, there's some people that say, well, wait a minute, you know what? Man, I sin. I like blew it bad. Like, like people in the community know. I mean, I like made the papers or, or it's talked about it in the community or I blew it in a public fashion to where my, my parents know, my family know, uh, some people. What would happen if I went to church? I can't go to church. My, I have blown it too bad. Fact is, I still get that in the community when I invite people to church. It, it just happened. It happened this last week. I invited a man to church, and he goes, hey. He says, I, I can't go to church. I blew it bad. I mean, I, I like my sin, big stuff, and I, I like made the papers. And he says, he says what, what would the church people think if I came into your church? I said, we would cheer you on. The ground is level at the cross. There's not a perfect person in this church, right? If so, stand up so we can look at what denial looks like. And... <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we need that example, right? There's not, a, <laughs> there's not one of us that are perfect in this room. And so I said, we'd cheer you all. And then he went to the second excuse. He says, well, what would God think? What if lightning hits the building? What if lightning hits the roof? I said, well, we got a seat just for you. Sit by the pole. You're safe. <laughs> not, not to say anything about you that are sitting by the pole. I, I just... That's just an illustration. <laughs> like you'll be the last to go if lightning hits the building. It's not. And so even though, listen, even though there were some convicted sinners at the church at the cross, their life mattered to Jesus. And we're, we're going to see that. And, and, and something happened regardless. Listen, regardless of how bad you've blown it, your life matters to God. Here's another group of people. There are those that came to insult. I mean, there, there are those, verse 39, and those who passed by derided him, made fun of him, wagging their heads. In other words, they passed by and they like hurled insults at him and made fun of him. And they didn't come to witness anything. They, you know what they came? They came to tell someone off. They came to tell Jesus off. That's, that's the only reason. And sometimes, we know this, right? Sometimes life can be filled with so much junk and stuff and pain. Our pain... If it's unresolved, overflows or spills out on other people. Hurting people hurt people. People in pain give people pain. And so there, there, there's, there's people today that they can always find something wrong with the church. They can always find something wrong with something. It's either the pastors, either the elders, it's either the leadership, it's either the decisions that they're making. And, and they, they, can always, they can always find something wrong. But just... Just like the thief on the cross, listen, let me tell you something. Even though they're hurling insults, your life matters to God. And your life matters, it, it matters to us deeply. Here's another group of people. Uh, there were those who were religious fakes. There were those who were religious fakes, verse 41. 
So also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders mocked him. Now here's the interesting thing. If, if you go through the account, and you can read it later, but if you go through the account, you'll realize that the largest number of words given, said that day, to mock Jesus. You know who, you know who said it? The religious people. You know what religion is? Religion is formality without any life change. Religion is just going through the motions, whether it makes us feel better about ourselves or life, but without any true life change. That's why religious people, man, you know this, right? Religious people can sometimes be the most hurtful in the workplace, in life, in a family, because they're casting accusations against you. When their life is really messed up, but then on the outside, it looks like it's all put together. And so don't, don't let it shock you when there's hypocrisy in the church. There was hypocrisy in the church of the cross, and there's sometimes hypocrisy today where people on the outside look religious, but on the inside there hasn't been a change. Here's, here's another one. There was a group of people who watched at a distance. There was a group of people, verse 55, there were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee ministering to him among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and Mary of the sons of, of Zebedee. In other, words, here, in other words, at one time they followed Jesus very closely. They served with him. They served in ministry with him. They served him. Uh, they walked with Jesus very closely. We don't know what happened. Something happened. And guess what? Now they're following him at a, at a, at a, at a distance. And so maybe you. Maybe you in your past, you'd say, you know what, there's a time that I, I followed him at a distance. I served in ministry. I, I walked with him, but something happened. Either someone hurt me, uh, something took place in my life, or I just kind of slowly drifted away. And now I would say, you know what, I, I follow him at a distance. And, and so let me tell you something. Our doors are open wide for people to just grab a glimpse of God. That's, that's why we spend all the money that we spend. That's why we do what we do to go to the Southwest Motors Event Center. I mean, it takes three days loading into that place and creating a church atmosphere in that place. And you know the reason we do that? We do that so that people will catch a glimpse of Jesus. We do that so that a community will, will worship with us who may not worship in a church and maybe catch a glimpse of Jesus. And then the last one, there was a group of people who were at the foot of the cross. John 19, 26 says, When Jesus saw his mother and a disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from, the, from the, that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. John is the only disciples that died of a, of a natural death, and John and Mary were at the foot of the cross. And I believe that's the greatest, that's the majority, that's the greatest number of people that go to church because they love Jesus. They want, they want to follow him. They want to grow closer to him. They didn't come to hurl insults. They didn't come because they were religious fakes or watching from a distance. They, they came because of their love for him. Second question we're going to ask and answer is, is, is why were they there? I mean, why, why, why were they there? It's just so fascinating to me, and I've seen these dynamics in leading a church here for the last 20-something years in Pueblo. Some of these same dynamics exist today. And so the first group, some, some came out of curiosity. Remember, one million, when, you, when you study the history of the crucifixion, you realize one million people witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It's a historical fact. It is not disputed by anybody. It's a historical fact, the cross. And they're in Jerusalem at the time of the Passovers, and the, the Romans did this very public, and the reason they did it public is to put terror in the lives of people. You break the law, this is going to happen to you too. It's the way they controlled crime in their area. And so, so some at crucifixions would come out of, 
out of, out of curiosity. And so we, we, have, we have a lot of times people come out of curiosity. It's so interesting to me. Either, either, either they see the number of cars, they see some of our ads, they, they, they see that we're going to be at the Southwest Motors Event Center, and then they come out of curiosity. And when people, listen, when you, even if you come out of curiosity, your life matters to God, and we're, we're glad you're here. If you're, just, if you're coming out of curiosity because you're examining the claims of Jesus Christ, we are so thankful for you. This should be a safe place. This should be a safe place without a guilt or judgment for you to examine the claims of Scripture. Because we believe when you do that, your life will intersect with his. Here's another group of people. Some came out of obligation. In other words, the Roman soldiers that were there, we'll study them in a little bit. Their lives, even though their lives have changed, they, they, they came out of obligation. It was their job. And so may, maybe you've come today out of, out of obligation. Maybe you feel obligated. Maybe, maybe you came today to, to, uh, because you felt obligated with family or friends or relationships or whatever. But, but we see in, even in those that came out of obligation at, at the Church of the Cross, their life was changed. And your life matters to God even if you came out of obligation. Here's another one. Some came out of guilt. Some people, if we're honest, some people are drawn to church out of guilt. And so, so what is guilt? Guilt is that feeling of unconfessed sin. And guilt, when you just look at it, guilt is the number one destroyer of joy in your life. It's the number one destroyer of happiness in your life. It's a source of stress. It's a source of depression. That's why when we come back uh, after Easter, I'm starting a brand new series called The Good Life, uh, helping you to understand what is the good life. Uh, the good life might be right in front of you. Philippians 3 and 4 is what we're going to study. And that, that, that this issue of guilt and this issue of, of what is joy in the life. And so there's some people that, you know what, guilt is like destroying them. They rehearse their, their, their past over and over and over in their mind. They rehearse their past, their sins, their mistakes. And, and it's like destroying them. And I, and I want to tell you that, that, that if you're here and you have that sense of guilt, then God wants to wipe your slate clean. God wants to release from you that, 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 that issue, that sin, that thing that you're rehearsing over and over in your mind. In other words, he, he wants to give you a second chance. Colossians tells us this, that, that Christ bought uh, our freedom with, with his blood. Freedom from what? Free, freedom from the past. Freedom from sin. Freedom from guilt of the past. In other words, his, his, his word says that he has canceled our sins. I mean, he has come to the place that he has, he has wiped our sins out. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Only through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross can take away our guilt. And there are many of many that day that even came out of guilt. And their life was changed and they were released. So they, listen, let me tell you something. Regardless of... Regardless of, of who you are, regardless of what you've done, regardless of how bad you've blown it, regardless of how dark your past is, man, God wants to release you of that. And he wants you to enter into a relationship with him so that you know that you're totally and completely forgiven. You're deeply loved in him. You're perfect and complete. Here's another group of people. Some came and didn't know why. I think that's my favorite group of people. They would just say, you know what, we don't know why. The Spirit of God just like drew us. We, we, we don't know why. I've talked to people and asked them, and if, if you've been around me and I've met you for the first time, 90% of the time I'm going to ask you, how did you find Fellowship of the Rockies? Why are you here? I'm always curious about your response. I mean, and so I've had people say, honestly, we, we don't know why. I mean, there's something just drew us here. We don't understand it. We can't explain it. We drove by, saw the cars, saw the marquee, saw the sign. 
saw some of some of your ads, and so went to an Easter service, went to a Christmas Eve service, see what is up with this church that can rent out the Southwest Motors Event Center, and so and we were just we were just like we were we were like drawn there. Uh, we've had people say, you know what, we just we moved to the community. We saw your website, and it was like the Spirit of God, just, we just knew this is our church home. We just knew we were supposed to go. One of my favorite stories, and I've told this several times, uh, <coughs> happened a number of years ago. And by the way, if you have a better story, would you, would you see me in the foyer? I need a new story. <laughs> but in case you don't know, that this, this building at one time was a four-screen movie a theater, and, um, and then it became a, a dollar movie theater. And then nobody would pay a dollar to come here, so they sold it. And so uh, <laughs> it was just, na- anyway. Uh, it was, and so, so we bought it, and we renovated it. Shortly after we renovated, a Saturday night, a family came to our church, and, and they, all, they all meet Christ. We, we baptize them. I'm over in this room, and so I'm asking them the question, hey, why'd you guys come? And so I asked the, the, the father, and so I says, uh, the husband, and so I says, hey, wh- why'd you guys come? And he looked at me and says, well, you want the honest answer? I said, yeah, I mean, I mean you're in church. You better not lie. Uh, <laughs> and he said, well, honestly, he said, we thought we were coming to the movies. <laughs> we just decided we'd go see a dollar movie, and we'd, we'd show up and just pick a movie and go. He said, we came, and, it, and now it's a church. And so then we were too scared to leave because maybe God wants us in here, so we're coming. And so they says, we came. <laughs> we all met Christ. We got baptized as a family, and then they began serving in the church, and, and then they, they got transferred, and, and they didn't even know why. I mean, they didn't even know why they, 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 they were here, and, and so we watched, their, we, lot, we, we watched their life change. That's one reason, we, again, we have next steps, is to help you on your journey. It's part of spiritual formation to deepen uh, you. The last group of people, some, some came, probably the majority, some came out of love. John and Mary came out of a love for Jesus, and, and I, I believe that's why the majority of people come to church. It's because it's motivated out of a love for Jesus Christ to worship him, to obey him, and to follow him. The last question we're going to ask and answer is, is what, did, what did they get for being there? I mean, what did, what did they get for being there? What, what did they receive? Here's an interesting one. Let me explain it, because I know how I've stated it could, could cause some questions. But the first group of people, some received fear. Now, what I'm talking about is a holy respect. What I'm talking about is a holy fear of God. Verse 54, when the centurion, remember the centurion that was forced to go? This is that guy. And those were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place. They were filled with awe, with respect, and said, truly, this was the Son of God. The centurion received this holy fear and respect of God, and it changed his life, the the proverb says that, that a fool fears nothing in life, especially God. And so all of a sudden, they, 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 they realize that truly this is, this is Jesus is God. Truly this is the Son of God. Here's another group of people. Some received a sobering reality. Some realized that God was in control of more than they thought they were. It's interesting in life, and again, we're going to talk about this in the good life when we come back here after Easter, but we worry about so much stuff, right? We worry about bills, we worry about health, we worry about our career. I mean, we worry, if the, we, we worry about the water we drink, right? We worry if the water is bad, the water is good. We, we worry about, about the air that we breathe. I mean, I saw a thing, it's just crazy. I saw a thing on the internet, and so you know it's true. Uh, but <laughs> that they're warning you now not to drink the, you know, the bottled water in the plastic bottles. They're warning you to drink, not drink that. 
because what they're finding, I'm going to mess it up for all of you now, uh, but there's microfibers of plastic that break off in the bottle and you're ingesting that and that's probably not good for you. I mean, isn't it frustrating? It's like every week they're coming out with another food that's going to kill you. Here a while back, I read a study that said, you know, red meat will kill you and you need to cut down on the amount of red meat you eat. And so that's why I quit putting ketchup on my hamburgers. I figured, <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just solve that, right? <laughs> and then, this, this issue, worry, worry means divided. Worry means living in a world of what if. What if this happens? What if that takes place? And a lot of things, if you're honest, a lot of things that we worry about just never happen. And then some things that we never worried about happen and we're like shocked. And a lot of times we end up in life regretting the past and worrying about the future. And you know what happens? We mess up today. We're either living in the past, we're living in the future, and we're not living in the present. In other words, this group of people, they, 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 they learn that God is in control of more than they thought. And, and if, God, if God can... If God can do this, then surely he can take care of the things in, in my life. And they realize God's in control. There's another group of people that received a witness of love. The cross revealed to them the amount of love that Jesus had. I mean, they, they, they like watched him die. And as they're crucifying him, it's an amazing thing that Jesus says. It's an amazing prayer. A lot of us, right, when we forgive... A lot of us wait till after the event, till after someone has said they're sorry, till after one's quit someone's after someone's quit hurting us. Not Jesus. They're crucifying Jesus. Jesus is on the cross, and Jesus says, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing." Man, how, how about that thief on the on on the cross on his side that had been hurling insults at him? He he'd, he'd been found guilty. He was sentenced to die. All of his life, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe for the first time in his life as he hung there on the cross, he was in the right place at the right time. And he was next to Jesus. And he witnessed the love that Jesus had for sinners. He witnessed the love that Jesus had for the people that were crucifying him. And as a result, he just simply turned to Jesus and says, Hey, remember me today when you come into paradise. He didn't even ask for heaven. He didn't ask for Just remember me. And Jesus says, One better. Today you'll be with me. He witnessed the love. You talk about forgiveness and you talk about love. Maybe this weekend, maybe, maybe you'd walk away and realize, you know what? God loves me. And I, God, I matter to him. Here's another one. Some received responsibility. Some, John chapter 19, when, when Jesus gave the responsibility to, uh, to, to John with his mother, that some receive responsibility and says, you know what? Now I'm in the family of God. I have a responsibility. Have a responsibility to pray for one another, serve one another, give to one another. I, I, I have this responsibility. I mean, it's something about a family, right? I mean, it, it's always awkward when you're at a family gathering and one person's doing all the work, right? When per, one person's cooking and cleaning up and running around, they're doing all the work. It's something totally different when everybody joins in, right? That's a healthy family. When everybody joins in and helps, does the dishes and cleans the house and everything that comes. And the same thing with, with church, same thing with the family of God. Here's the last one. And some received eternal life. Some received eternal life. And uh, John chapter 10, verse 17, it says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my, my own accord. In other words, Jesus did this willingly. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And some received eternal life. A couple of weeks ago, I, I went through a series of, of meetings 
long meetings, two days of meetings. And, <coughs> and, um, and so I needed my cell phone. I needed my cell phone to stay charged so I could text message and email and keep other things going while I'm in these meetings. And so I'd never done it before, but I, I bought one of those. And, and I think, I don't really know what it's called, but you know those portable ba- battery packs for your cell phone? that you can take with you in case you don't have an AC outlet to charge up your phone and you need a charge. Well, I bought one of those. Bought a cheap one, probably shouldn't have, but I bought one. And so, uh, and so I'm in these meetings, and so it's about we're taking a lunch break, and, and so my, my battery is down on my cell phone, and so I decided, you know what, I'll pull out the battery pack. So I pulled out the battery pack. I put the USB connection into the, the, the battery pack, the charger, and I took the other end and pushed it into my phone and laid my phone on, on the table where I was working and went off to harass uh, Pastor Chad, and, and so I, I, come back like, I come back like 30 minutes, and I'm expecting I got one of those quick charges, you know, like almost 100%, and, and, uh, and I, I can make it through the rest of the day, and so it's an amazing thing. I, I picked up my cell phone, and it's just crazy. I had less battery now than when I left. <laughs> I'm like, well, who's charging up who in this whole situation? And so... <laughs> So I, I grab the battery pack, and I look at it. It has like four lights are lit. It has four bars, I, and so it's just fine. And so I, I checked the USB connection, and it was pushed in just fine. Then I checked the connection in the phone, and, and I know there's probably a technical term for it, a lightning port or lightning something, but you know that hole in the phone where you push the cable in? I had pushed the, the, the connector in, but I hadn't pushed it all the way in. It was close, but not connected. You don't get power, no matter how close you are. And there's a lot of people who say, well, I'm close to the church, and I'm close to Scripture, I'm close to Christ, I'm, I, I'm close to, to a preacher, I'm close to a leader, I'm, I'm close to tradition. But there's a difference between being close and being connected. The power doesn't come from proximity. The power doesn't come from closeness. It, it, the power comes from getting con- connected. And some of you may look like you're, you're connected, but only you and God know if that connection has really taken place. That's why Jesus said, abide in me, and I will abide in you. And the power of God will come through your life through the Holy Spirit. And it goes beyond closeness. It is a true connection. And the connection comes when, when we've made this connection and we've received salvation And we've accepted him. And we understand the authority. We understand the power that Christ has given us. Are you connected? Are you connected to him? Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?